and welcome to the Booby Knit Podcast, where we lift the lid on breastfeeding and tell you what it's really like. I'm your host, Ruth, founder of the online breastfeeding magazine, boobingit.com, and proud mama of two. On each episode, I'll be joined by a special guest to have meaningful conversations about breastfeeding and digging deep on those issues and topics that matter most to you. So let's get on with the show. to let you know that our sponsor of the Moving It podcast this week is the maternity and nursing clothing brand the Mum Collective. If you're looking for beautiful and sustainable loungewear that's designed with breastfeeding mamas in mind then look no further. You can shop online at the mumcollective.co.uk. I'll be sharing more information about our sponsors later on in this episode including a discount code for 10% off. My guest for this special World Breastfeeding Week episode is author, speaker and mama of one Danielle Casey aka the Breastfeeding Mentor. Danielle is a self-care specialist who has dedicated herself to help empower people to breastfeed on their own terms. Each and every day, she educates and entertains people through her hugely popular social media channels. In early 2022, she released her first book called Self-Care, the Breastfeeding Edition. I'm also delighted to say that Danielle is a Boobing It contributor who writes regularly for her online magazine, boobingit.com. I'm excited to talk to Danielle about World Breastfeeding Week, the meaning behind it, and why it's so important to practice self-care as a breastfeeding mama. So Danielle, World Breastfeeding Week runs every year from the 1st to the 7th of August. This year, the theme is Step Up for Breastfeeding, and it really homes in on breastfeeding support. What's your take on this year's theme, and why do you think it's important? Oh my gosh, I absolutely love this year's theme because, yeah, as you know, I felt so strongly as a new mom, like I just didn't know where to turn for support, for practical breastfeeding advice, as well as mental health support, emotional support, and yeah, just community support as well. I didn't know how to access services. And and there are some services available, certainly in the UK, um, but I just didn't have enough information about how to access that. So I really hope that everyone really jumps on board with the theme this year and shares with mums, particularly new mums, where they can get that help because I feel that it really does make a difference and it can make or break a breastfeeding journey. I'm sure we all know people who desperately wanted to breastfeed and who tried. I I have a friend who just had a baby very recently. She was really keen to breastfeed and, you know, she read a few books, including mine, which was great. And she, you know, she had all of the accessories and uh, the health team did come out and support her, but, the support that they were able to offer just wasn't quite enough to help her get through those initial hurdles of like cracked bleeding nipples and latch issues and yeah just practical help that really would have made a massive difference yeah she just didn't know how to access and the, the help that she could access unfortunately just wasn't enough to yeah to help her get through that so and I think there are so many moms who have that experience I'm sure you've heard from them I certainly have and yeah so I think a focus on it is fantastic because however we feed our babies we need support but when you're breastfeeding you you feel I think as a mum as if it's all on you and if and you know as a the responsibility is solely yours which yeah then leads to a lot of guilt and regret and trauma if it doesn't work out even though you can't be held solely responsible for not being able to do it 
I yeah personally couldn't have breastfed without support um so my son was born via emergency c-section which can delay the you know the, your milk coming in and coming through so for the first three days of his life he was threat fed by me hand expressing well I say me my fiance and a lactation consultant at the hospital hand expressing colostrum from my breast into those tiny little tubes to feed him with um yeah those little syringes and if I hadn't had a section perhaps my milk would have come in sooner um but perhaps he would have still not learned to latch on to me properly initially and so without that lactation support that literally hands-on support yes. I wouldn't have been able to feed him myself and I might not have yeah I might not have started this journey um three years later here we are but without that and and also without another health visitor um who I only had temporarily actually sharing her experiences of nursing her two-year-old I don't think I would have even considered it myself and I was really shocked when she said that she had nursed her son for two years because I was in the throes of the fourth trimester and feeling like <laughs> there was no way we were going to get to six months. Mm -hmm. And then when she, it was just her, her personal story about how, how difficult it was and how her son woke up every two hours overnight and how technically the NHS don't recommend co-sleeping, but it was how they got through it and just lots of, anecdotal advice and from someone who had literally been there done that got the milk stain t-shirt and yeah. it just filled me with with hope and confidence that perhaps I might meet that goal too um even though it seemed completely unrealistic at the time and so yeah I think this theme of of supporting breastfeeding mothers is an essential one and yeah, I am delighted that it's the focus of our breastfeeding week this year. Yeah, 100%. And obviously everything you kind of touched on the start of your breastfeeding journey and how it wasn't, mm. you didn't, you know, have the necessarily the best start. Um, but, you know, you got there with help and support from your fiance, mm. from people in the hospital, and then from the health visitor who was good enough to share her own personal story, because it's those personal stories of breastfeeding that can really help us. I can motivate us to keep going. You know, when we hear somebody's breastfed for two years, we're like, oh my goodness, is that possible? Ah, uh, you know, I would quite like that for me to be able to do that. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's those stories that really can help inspire and empower people to breastfeed. And obviously it's a big reason why you started up the breastfeeding mentor um, a few years ago. So what, what is it that motivates you to do the work that you do and to help support people online? Well, predominantly, initially, it was my own experience and feeling incredibly isolated at the start of my nursing journey. Um, my son Farai, <laughs> I've been describing him as an easy baby. I hate that term, but I mean, yeah, I, I think people understand when, when I use it. And, you know, he wanted to be held all the time and he hated his pushchair. He hated the sling initially. He hated his car seat. And so it's very difficult to get out at all um, in the early days. And I didn't anticipate just how hard that would be and then when I did finally manage to get out he was probably around four four months old and I managed to find a group that I could go to regularly um I there were maybe one or two other moms who were breastfeeding too 
out of a group of perhaps a dozen a dozen mothers and babies and they they didn't intend on continuing to breastfeed and I just felt I felt like there was always something wrong with me for wanting to carry on because I was actually quite enjoying our breastfeeding journey by that point it felt very fulfilling and it helped me to it helped me to relax as well actually because I definitely had um postpartum anxiety and breastfeeding for me yeah made a real difference and helped me feel somewhat in control even though yeah everything else felt like it was just complete chaos um and so yeah my own experience of feeling very isolated and turning to support online so um IBC LCs like Lucy Ruddle who I think is fabulous and Emma Pickett and um Professor Amy Brown Pinky McKay, all of these inspirational women who I really, it took me, it took take me a good few months to find because initially I was bombarded with the usual Facebook ads about sleep training and formula and so on. And I think you kind of have to wade through that as a new mom because that's still certainly in the UK, the mainstream way of thinking. And so it took me a while to find those more gentle, responsive accounts um, with a passion for lactation and so once I found them I realized that there was a whole community of moms who felt similar to, similarly to me and then when the pandemic hit and I had a bit of a breakdown myself um, I then started to blog firstly for my mental health and secondly to reach other moms and actually I first started the account with um, the idea that I would start a breastfeeding fashion line um, which hasn't happened and now after discovering loads of other brands I'm not sure that there is a need for for mine too <laughs> um, but in doing that I just connected with so many mothers and their experiences resonated with me and it was I was surprised at that of how at how universal the experience seemed to be and how many other moms felt alienated for wanting to breastfeed for enjoying it most of the time and wanting to continue and certainly breastfeed beyond infancy that because after after the initial hurdles I really did want to meet that that recommendation of two years of breastfeeding and I didn't feel like I yeah knew many other people at all um, who felt the same and who I could just be really honest and open with about how I felt about it, about the challenges that I faced. And so that's, yeah, that's how the breastfeeding mentor kind of evolved out of my own experience. And then from connecting with mums all over the world who had very similar experiences. So that told me that there was a need and there was a need for a space and for that community just to be really open and honest about, about the journey and not to just gloss over the experience and pretend that it's wonderful all the time because it really isn't. Um, but just because, you know, there are aspects of breastfeeding that are really hard, that doesn't mean that you have to stop if you don't want to. And yeah, I just needed someone to tell me, yes, this is really hard, but you can do really hard things. Yeah. Here's some help. I'd love to help you try these tips. And so that's how it started. Um, I started to make notes on my phone during the pandemic about in case we ever had another baby I thought I must remember these things otherwise I might actually die and so they started out as 
probably a dozen or so notes that I added to over the months. And then gradually that became, gosh, I don't know, let's say 50 pages. And then I thought, oh, maybe I, maybe I could write a book. And then it turned into the book. And so, yeah, it very much my own experience, feeling isolated, wanting support, needing community and struggling to find it initially. Um, and it is honestly, I get choked up anytime I get a, a message from a mom, wherever she is in the world saying, just thank you for this reel. Thank you for that post. It made me feel so validated. It's helped me to feel encouraged and like, I'm not a freak. There's nothing wrong with me for wanting to continue to breastfeed. And it's lovely to know that I'm not alone in these feelings. And yeah, that I think we really thrive when we're connected through motherhood. Um, I think we need each other. We're supposed to live together as human beings. And even when we can't, maybe physically, um, many of us don't have a village of support. Um, in real life, we can find some support online through the magic of social media. So yeah, it's a real privilege to be able to make any difference at all for me. Yeah, and definitely the you know the last few years, people have been going online more than ever to get the breastfeeding mm -hmm. support that they're so badly wanting and needing because as we oh, said yeah. at the start, it's often so hard to find breastfeeding support close to home because we mm -hmm. don't know where to look. And often, especially as a first time mom, you are a bit lost and you're not really mm -hmm. thinking straight and you're not thinking, oh, I need to research where, where all these uh, you know, groups are and support groups are. And so mm -hmm. you know, the, the pandemic certainly uh, forced many of us to go online to seek support and find accounts such as yours. And you know, certainly Boobing It was, uh, was born out of, out of the need for more breastfeeding support online and mm -hmm. that community feeling, as you say, that we completely lost during the pandemic because we weren't going to baby groups. We weren't going to breastfeeding support groups because they were ripped away from us and so yeah. we had to go online and find our online tribe and it has been such a life um a lifeline for so many people and the fact that you get these lovely messages it makes it all worthwhile I wanted to take a little break in this episode to tell you more about our sponsors, The Mum Collective. Founded by Sophie Baldwin, The Mum Collective was inspired by Sophie's own breastfeeding experience and her wish to help other new mamas breastfeed in style and in comfort. Her desire was to have luxury, high quality, flattering, cozy and practical loungewear that would support mamas during each trimester and while on their breastfeeding journey. On themumcollective.co.uk, you'll find breastfeeding essentials, including breastfeeding t-shirts, dresses, and sweaters. Each piece is made using the softest, smoothest, and easiest fabrics to care for. What's also great about The Mum Collective is many of their items can be worn throughout pregnancy and then during the fourth trimester when breastfeeding. The Mum Collective is kindly giving Boobing It listeners 10% off their collection when you use the code BOOBINGIT at the checkout. Shop now at themumcollective.co.uk. A big part of what you do, as you kind of mentioned, is, you know, you talk a lot about breastfeeding past infancy as you yourself are still mm. breastfeeding your three-year-old son. Yes. And, you know, so many people are finding that incredibly inspiring to say, oh yeah, you know what, if I want to keep breastfeeding, I'm going to. Because look at Danielle, mm. she's making it look normal mm. and natural, and but she's also not glossing over it and, and saying, oh, it's just absolutely wonderful all of the time. You're very open <laughs> about the struggles too. So wh why is it important for you to normalize breastfeeding toddlers and mm. older children 
Well, I, I think I really welcomed the recent change in the recommendations from the American Association of um, Pediatrics. Um, they used to recommend breastfeeding for 12, 12 months alongside other foods, and they've now extended that to two years um, in line with the NHS and the World Health Organization. And so it's not just that breastfeeding beyond infancy is important to me, it is the, the global recommendation from health and medical professionals. And so if that's what you know is being recommended, we need to support mothers to help them achieve that. It's one of the greatest injustices I feel, and I felt very strongly as a new mom was that we sort of batted over the head as expectant parents with this message of breast is best which I'm not a fan of. I understand why it's there and I understand that there's a need to encourage people to breastfeed. But if you tell mothers that they're, the best thing for their child is to breastfeed and then you don't support them to help them to do it for any amount of time, let alone six months exclusively and two years or beyond with complementary foods. I mean, that to me, that's just incredibly cruel and it's a recipe for disaster because, I mean, how on earth can anyone do anything as all-consuming as breastfeeding without help and support and guidance? It's, I don't think it's possible. Um, maybe if you're incredibly lucky and it just works for you and you have a, you know, a baby who doesn't have particularly high means, maybe it isn't that difficult, but that's not the vast majority of families. And every family has unique circumstances and some have partners, some others have partners, some don't. And even if you do have a partner, maybe they are unsupportive of your breastfeeding journey. Maybe they work long shifts, maybe they work away all the time. And so again, you might find yourself isolated and without help and support. And at the moment, certainly in the UK and the US, though societal structures of support don't exist. Um, which is unfair. And I know, again, Dr. Um, Professor Amy Brown is a strong advocate of us trying to affect policy to affect real change. And I'm all for that. But in the meantime, there are hundreds of thousands of mothers around the world who need help now and who need practical support immediately, please, <laughs> just a little bit of guidance to help them to keep breastfeeding, to keep them from going crazy, to help them to meet those, meet those breastfeeding goals if that's what they want. Because if government, the government is acknowledging that it's important for us to breastfeed and they acknowledge the health benefits for mothers and their children, we need to actually help mothers to achieve those goals. And yeah, I think whether breastfeeding had <laughs> a myriad of breastfeeding benefits or not, I would want to continue to do it because it works for my son and it works for me mostly mentally and emotionally, actually. It helps us both to wind down. Um, and yeah, and like his, his dad is like so chilled out, he's horizontal and Farai is not at all, he's much more like me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's very easily overstimulated and it takes him and I a long time to fall asleep at night and if we wake up it yeah it's not easy to just drop off in the way that it is for other people and so if yeah if, even without the health benefits 
if a mother wants to continue to breastfeed, why on earth shouldn't she be empowered to do so? I think a really common misconception and one that I get ridiculous comments and jokes about all the time is that beyond a certain amount of time, there's something gross or weird or creepy about breastfeeding. And I think it's really important that we get rid of those ridiculous misconceptions too and help women to breastfeed on their own terms for as long as they choose, because there is zero study to date which has found any evidence of harm um, for breastfeeding beyond infancy. And actually there are lots that have found benefits, um, benefits to teeth and jaw development, benefit to socio-emotional socio regulation, benefits to the development of white matter in the brain. Um, there are lots of benefits that have been found. And so we, I think we have a duty. If all of these studies are finding benefits for nursing beyond infancy, then let's help mothers to do it. Um, let's not shame them for it and let's support them in any way that we can, if that's a choice that they make. I really, I do feel strongly that, again, this message of breast is best is highly stigmatizing for anyone who is not able to breastfeed or who simply doesn't want to. Um, I don't believe that we should be forcing anyone to do anything that they, you know, they're not comfortable with for whatever reason. You know, even if that reason is simply, I don't want to, and that's the end of it. If you don't want to, brilliant, good for you. Formula feed and be supported in that journey. Um, yeah, I can't speak for um, anyone who chooses and wants to formula feed exclusively. And I don't know if they are also supported, to be honest. I don't, I genuinely don't know if they are supported to, yeah, to formula feed in a particular way for a particular amount of time. I'm not sure. Um, but I know that that support doesn't exist for breastfeeding. Um, it's a, it doesn't exist for those women who want to breastfeed exclusively for six months, let alone beyond that. And so if we're saying it's really good for mothers and our children and wider society, let's do something about it. Let's support women to do so. Yeah. Like you say, you know, these recommendations are, you know, coming through now and everyone's mm -hmm. on board with the breastfeeding for two years. This is great, you know, and it's making people such as yourself who, who does breastfeed their um you know their three-year-old okay now can you see it's actually quite normal and it's it's recommended mm. but mm. no one's this is what world breastfeeding week is trying to help with obviously to build that support mm. network because mm. it's all well and good dishing out these recommendations but in another way it's kind of an, another way to make uh, people feel bad Indeed. about the the you know the choices that they make or you know perhaps their breastfeeding journey didn't go on for as long as they'd hoped and then they're made to feel guilty. Oh, for goodness sake, I was supposed to be doing that for two years and I didn't make it. But it's not often the reason why your breastfeeding journey ends abruptly or before you want it to is because you you've lacked the support to keep mm -hmm. going. And uh, and this is why it's so important to have, as you know, as you said about uh, policy change and everything, because mm -hmm. we can't just simply dish out these recommendations without any follow up support and how we can actually make it work. You can't just leave it at the door of the parents to make it work. We need, Indeed. you know, changes in the, in work, um, you know, in society. There's just, mm. you can do a whole podcast episode on this. Seriously. Yeah. Um, I'd love to delve deeper into it because it's such a minefield. Like for anyone listening who is at that point where they're kind of maybe just starting out in their journey or um, struggling at whatever stage, you know, um, because 
we don't just have challenges at the very start of our journey of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. You know, you you mm-hmm. document the challenges that you've had with your son throughout, you know, his toddlerhood and things, teeth coming mm-hmm. through, you know, mm-hmm. developmental leaps that has made him fussy and things. How can people, what advice would you be for, to help people seek out support when they need it most? Um, I would say initially, so for expectant mums um, or mums, maybe at the, the start of their journey, who are having issues with the, you know, like the nuts and bolts of breastfeeding and making sure that their latch is correct and so on. I wish that I had in the early days known that for people like perhaps my GP aren't necessarily experts when it comes to breastfeeding. And I wish I had known that actually anyone with IBCLC after their name has had over a thousand hours of contact with nursing mums and this is their, you know, this is what they do exclusively. They genuinely know what they're talking about. And um, even though in the UK, certainly their services aren't free and they're not available on the NHS, they it's well worth investing in yeah, support and advice from an IBCLC if you can afford to do so. And I think I would have factored that into my, to our sort of family planning um, and our budgeting as a family in the early days because I knew that I desperately wanted to breastfeed and yet I just I kind of assumed that it would happen naturally and it didn't for us and it was I think I know that I was lucky to give birth in the hospital that I did because there was lactation support there and there isn't as standard in the UK and I know that I was lucky that we also had a lactation um, support unit um, a short way away from my home Unfortunately, they didn't offer support beyond six weeks, which makes no sense to me. But um, it meant that our nursing journey did take off after a few initial bumps in the road. And so certainly IBCLC support, I would emphasise the importance of that, particularly in the early days. And then beyond that point, I think community is the other huge way that I have felt that, yeah, just so confident about being able to mother on my own terms and in my own way and in a way that feels instinctive to me and intuitive and right for our family and my son. Um, finding, just speaking about my experience and finding mothers in real life. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting that if you if you talk about breastfeeding beyond infancy, and I hope this is the case for people, you'll hear that, oh, I have a cousin who's still nursing her two-year-old or my neighbor's best friend nursed her son until he was five. And I think just being brave enough to talk about the fact that you are still breastfeeding beyond a year old. um, Yeah, and hopefully you'll know someone within your your, um, village of support who's doing the same or who's had a similar experience you can just reach out to and have a really honest conversation with um, and of course if there isn't anyone who you know in real life or at baby groups and anything like that then there is a whole host of resources online now which is just yeah I think a game changer for many people because yeah no matter how we parent there are parents around the world who feel similarly to us and who we can talk about our experiences with and just not feel so alone 
um, yeah, parenting our parents, our, our parents, our children, because yeah, that isolation I think is quite dangerous and it can be really detrimental to our physical and mental, emotional health. Um, and then as a result, our whole, our whole family is impacted, aren't they? And so, yeah, I would just encourage people to, to find others in similar situations in real life and online. Um, yeah, through, through accounts like yours and mine. Um, it's so validating yeah. just to know that you're not the only one in that particular situation at that particular time. And yeah, I think it's incredibly empowering just to find anyone who feels the same way yeah. that you do and talk about that that experience yeah and you know we should also talk about like self-support if that's even a thing you know mm. but you're obviously yes. a self-care expert and you know a lot of what you talk about online and obviously your book that came out this year um it's about how to look after how to look after yourself mm. as a breastfeeding mama because often uh, you know no matter what kind of mummy you are as you say we often put ourselves last um and so what are so what are the sort of simple things that people d- can do throughout the day to make sure that they take time for themselves and look after themselves. Yeah, so um, if I share maybe three, my top three tips. Number one would be hydration. Um, it's the first tip in the book and it's not, I think people assume that it's the first tip because it's important to maintain your milk supply, but actually it's because it has such a profound impact on our mental health and well-being um, and the way that our brain functions the way that our body functions it's so important and it's so difficult I think as a new mom to it which <laughs> I think if you don't have children yet maybe you're expectant mom it might sound like a very strange recommendation but I found it so difficult just to eat and drink <laughs> in the early days after having my son um and even though I knew that it was crucial um for my health and my milk supply and so starting the day with a pint or a big bottle of water by your bed is always a recommendation of mine, just so that even if the rest of the morning is manic, you've had at least a pint of water and you can, it's like it lifts the brain fog. And if you've been awake every hour of the night overnight, it makes such a huge difference to that groggy feeling when your throat is a bit dry, your eyes are sore and you, yeah, you just don't want to get up. Um, I'd start the day with a very big glass or, or bottle of water um, and invest in a non-spill flask that you can carry around all day. Really important that it's non-spills just in case you're yeah, <laughs> stuck boobing your little one and you just like a hot drink. <laughs> Makes such a difference. Um, my other tip, my second tip is to get outside as often as you can. Um, ideally somewhere in nature. It has a really um, impactful effect on our sympathetic nervous system so if you're feeling frazzled and you know maybe you can't get to that baby group on time but you can get to the park and you're likely to bump into other mums who you can just have a conversation with and that may be the only conversation that you have until perhaps your partner or other family members are home at the end of the day um, but it makes a real difference in my experience just to be able to talk to someone and yeah, I found that generally moms are happy to talk because they've been there, they've done that, and they understand that it can be really isolating, particularly in the early days. Um, and another tip that I'd like to share is a meditative breathing technique. 
It's called 478 Breathing. I'm a huge fan of it. Um, it's rooted in the yogic practice of pranayama, breath control. And as the name suggests, you inhale for the count of four, hold that breath for the count of seven, and exhale for the count of eight. It doesn't have to be seconds. It can be sped up if you find it difficult to hold your breath for that long. Um, it's the ratio um, of breathing that counts. I'd love to demonstrate. And if you'd like to join in, that'd be oh, great. Nice. Yes. So um, I'll demonstrate, since this is a podcast, by counting rather than just doing it because that won't make any sense. <laughs> so um, you start by just exhaling completely. And you can do this if you're in bed, if you're walking around, if your toddler's having a tantrum. <laughs> it's great, again, for resetting your parasympathetic nervous system. It tones the vagus nerve in your body um, and yeah, just helps you to feel a little calmer and more together. So start by exhaling completely, then inhale for the count of one, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and just let your whole body relax. Mm. And you can do that at your own pace anywhere, anytime. The key thing to remember is that your exhalation should be the longest sort of step of that stage of, stage of those steps. Um, and it just allows your, your whole body to, to relax really wherever you are. That's so good. I felt my shoulders go down. Yes. That's, that's where I hold all my attention and my shoulders. They're up again, yeah. up, up to, to my ears sometimes, Danielle. So that was Absolutely. lovely. I must remember to do that a few times throughout the day. Yes, <laughs> to center Four, myself. Seven, eight, breathing anywhere, anytime. Fantastic, Danielle. What a lovely way to finish our podcast. And of course, people can uh, go on and follow you on your social media channels. Or channels, the breastfeeding mentor. They can check out your book as well <laughs> when they're there. And um, for more self care um, advice and recommendations, thank you so much for joining me for this special World Breastfeeding Week podcast episode. You were a joy to, to talk to. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm a huge fan. So yeah, I really appreciate being able to just chat with you about anything and everything. I know. Well, yeah, lovely chatting with me. you too, Danielle. Bye. Take care, Ruth. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you to the Mum Collective for sponsoring this episode of the Boobing It podcast. You can shop their full range of quality and luxurious maternity and nursing clothes on the mumcollective.co.uk. You can also follow them for style inspiration on Instagram at the Mum Collective. And remember to use the code Boobing It to get 10% off your order at the mumcollective.co.uk. Thank you for listening to this episode you can find out the latest breastfeeding news and information on boobingit.com and you can also join the boobingit community on facebook instagram and twitter see you in the next show mm-hmm.